This is Market Pathways, your premium guide to global medical device regulation, reimbursement, and policy. Become a part of the global medtech community at mystrategist.com. Hello, and welcome to the Market Pathways podcast. I'm David Fillmore, editor of Market Pathways. In today's episode, I spoke to Sandy Siami. Sandy is a senior VP at the Medical Device Innovation Consortium, where she leads the NEST Coordinating Center. NEST, as I think a lot of people in the device and diagnostics industry know at this point, is the National Evaluation System for Health Technology. They're all about real-world evidence and strengthening its role as a robust tool to inform decision-making in the device realm. So if you're looking at registry data, electronic health records, claims data, and the like, and you want to put that to use for pre-market submissions, post-market surveillance, or other uses, Nest is where the action is and where they're thinking about those issues for the future of the device industry. Sandy and I spoke about Nest's evolution and the role it plays in industry. Also, the multi-stakeholder challenges Nest is tackling to establish a robust real-world evidence framework. And we get into some of the specific next steps, including what Sandy calls Nest 2.0. Enjoy. Sandy Siami, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. How exciting. Yeah, no, it's it's great. You know, I've, I've been very interested in, uh, in what you guys are doing at Nest, uh, National Evaluation System for Health Technology, um, and, you know, the Nest Coordinating Center that you, of course, lead. So, you know, looking forward to maybe chatting about some of what you guys are up to, a little bit, uh, a big focus on real-world evidence and sort of, you know, where should we be thinking about that in the medical device realm, if that works for you? Love it. Let's yeah, do great. it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, Nest, I think Nest CC, you know, been around for, I think, a little more over five years, more than five years at this point, pretty much, right? So, um, and it feels like to me, you know, as someone who follows the industry pretty closely, pretty indelible part of industry at this point. Um, but I feel like there's a lot going on there, a lot of moving parts, a lot of incremental goals, initiatives, kind of building toward this kind of real world evidence ecosystem goal. So I just, you know, maybe to start off, just like, let's say you're talking to, you know, average company, uh, average device company, you know, how would you describe Nest particularly, you know, what should the company know about Nest and it's where it is right now and sort of how it can be useful to them? Uh, excellent question, uh, and we are always up to a lot, so uh, it it's, that doesn't surprise me that some folks can't keep up sometimes, um, <laughs> but, but simply put, right, so Nest has been around, as you mentioned, we received our initial funding, even though it was conceived back in 2012, we received our initial funding as the Coordinating Center in 2016, and simply put, Nest National Evaluation System, right, and what does that mean? Um, we're advancing the use of various types of real-world data to generate that evidence that's required to cover the total product life cycle. And that total product life cycle, to me, is the moment it hits the clinical stage from an IDE clinical trial to the moment it gets sunsetted, right? So that's the post-market surveillance and, and sunset. And so in that whole spectrum, as you can imagine, the level of evidence you're going to need is going to vary. And Nest provides that structure, that infrastructure, as well as the frameworks to execute such a thing. Um, we, we currently have funding through the Medical Device User Fee Act, right? So Medufa 4, um, Medufa 5 just came out too, where Nest has some funding there, which is fantastic. 
That means it's really important to uh, the agency and, and industry uh, coming, coming to this. But we leverage our environment, our multi-stakeholder environment, as well as the infrastructure to help build the infrastructure we have, but also to utilize our network collaborators. They don't just bring data to the table. We're not a data warehouse. We don't buy data. We don't sell data, right? We want to leverage the data that various collaborators have, ensure that it has the right, it goes through the right data curation process and that cleaning process to get to whatever that fit for purpose is. Um, you know, there's there's the continuum of data quality that that we need, right? So somebody might be able to provide that pre-market um, evidence generation uh, and others may not. And so where do they fit in that continuum and understanding that data characteristic? But in addition to that, the network collaborators bring their expertise. There are clinicians that are coming to the table, you know, in various therapeutic areas. They're bringing data scientists to the table. They're bringing their informaticians to the table that really understand their data and their environment so that we can efficiently generate that evidence. And then the role of NEST is to identify and help provide the tools and the frameworks that enable researchers, and I'm going to use that term really broadly, researchers can be industry, researchers can be academia, you know, providing them tools so that they can efficiently generate the data they need and answer the study question that they're looking for. So it's really exciting because it's not just one thing. Um, if I could, just really quickly too, because I'll get jazzed. You're going to have to jump in there, David, because I yeah. will I will talk this whole time. Oh, oh, oh no, no problem. <laughs> but I wanted to give you that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead with your. <laughs> but, but broad brush strokes, and then I'll pause. So yeah. Nest really has three core initiatives within this infrastructure that we're building, right? First is the evidence generation. This is what we were just talking about. Right. Focusing, trying to focus on that pre-market first, because that's the most challenging right now. Mm -hmm. um, but this is where we engage our network collaborators and kind of generate that actionable evidence, whether it's for regulatory decision-making, clinical decision-making, or coverage, right? And then we have our active surveillance that we are building. And this is a first of its kind for medical device to get that near real-time, and I phrase it like that on purpose, right? Because we can't really get real-time, but near real-time evaluation for safety signal detection, for example. So building that for the post-market surveillance, and that's really exciting too, right? Um, and then finally, there's the collaborative community. And this is where Nest is a convenient. We have full FDA participation, and we bring in our multi-stakeholders, and Nest really is a community, right? And it is a passionate community, um, to help identify what are the needs within this ecosystem and how can we collectively find solutions to that? And so all those things together really get me jazzed. I mean, I bound out of bed every morning. I got to tell you. That's yeah, no, that's I, I feel the energy. And, you know, it's, it's obviously something that I mean, you can't go a, a day without, you know, hearing about talking about real world evidence 
in the device industry nowadays, something that, you know, 10 years ago wouldn't have been obviously the case and, you know, maybe right. not, you know, five years. So it's, it's clearly like something that's, you know, got a lot of initiative and progression uh, with Nest being the cent- a lot of this in the center of that. I'm interested in, yeah, sort of where things stand with more broadly, we could get into some of those specific, um, you know, particularly on the evidence generation side. And I'm, I, I'm interested maybe in hearing a little more about the collaborative community and what actually happens there. Um, I mean, what, one thing you heard about for several years with Nest uh, CC is, all, is these test cases, you know, uh, doing a lot of, you know, sort of, uh, you know, which are, I think, funded by, you know, FDA, but doing these projects with, with companies or ac- academic institutions, hospitals. Um, and then more recently, what I've heard, you know, what I know you, what kind of was built up over, the, you know, a few years ago, and maybe it's happening, I think, with putting the phrase of Nest 1.0, kind of transitioning from just test cases, I think, to, you know, actually, if I understand it correctly, having sponsors, you know, companies come to you, we have these data needs, we, you know, so could you just give me a little bit more in terms of what that transition has been and where, where things stand now in terms of Nest as a functioning, you know, as you say, like evidence generator or other, you know, tool in the, in the industry. Um, and, and, you know, where, how that, how that has come out of the test case uh, scenario. I think the test cases, uh, obviously there were a Medufa commitment, but, um, you know, the purpose was to test the feasibility of, can we do this? And then if we can do this, what are the areas where Nest as an entity, as a system could play a role in creating those efficiencies? And so taking that information and launching what we dubbed as Nest 1.0 um, was extremely um, beneficial for us. So we do have some uh, externally funded studies that have come in and we continue to learn through that process such that we're working on Nest 2.0. And what is that going to look like, right? And that's really testing the system and bringing in to kick it up a notch, um, bringing in other solution providers. There are folks out there, organizations out there that have already mastered and solved some of the problems within the ecosystem. And we need to pull that and bring it together and make sure that as we're bringing them together to, to solve the larger problem within the system, that they're meeting that minimum level of you know, threshold of processes, making sure we've got the right processes, making sure that they can um, deliver, right? And so we're working on that process. Really thrilled that the test cases, even though they were supposed to just test feasibility, um, some of the test cases, we do have two to date that have resulted in a pre-market submission for a regulatory uh, for a label expansion, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have um, kind of the final disposition yet, but that's pretty that's pretty exciting given that that wasn't the original in- intent. But this shows the dedication of those folks that are coming to the table, our stakeholders, that that passion that it that it takes uh, and and commitment that it takes. Um, so let me pause because I can go down several different paths for you, David. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm curious. So it sounds like right now in terms of, so yeah, you've, it's interesting that, and I know I've also FDA has put out some information about practical, like, you know, real world evidence that has here's where it's, you've been used in, in a particular pre-market. I assume those test cases are probably one of the more recent ones. 
Um, but, um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm kind of interested, like, are, I mean, you said are a few, is there sort of a limit on the amount of input you're, you're able to take in, in terms of sponsors coming to you with requests right now? Is it just like sort of limited by the awareness of industry or is it more a matter of where, you know, kind of when it, when it comes to what is actually sort of happening on the ground in, in sort of getting these sponsor products, is it still, would you say very much in a test phase for Nest or is this like people are coming to you with practical, we have, we want to expand this label. We, we have this additional data need to get through this, you know, FDA process or in this post-market data requirement, you know, it, it, are they coming in with those various practical things and, and what's the sort of volume of that? How's that moving forward? Um, so with respect to ex acceptance and, and adoption, right, um, <laughs> we have industry, as you know, is very interested in how can we use um, real world data to generate that evidence for regulatory decision making. And then we've, we have uh, FDA and specifically the review groups that are looking at um, how can we use this data? Because it's going to look different, right? It's going to look different than your traditional right. clinical trial, and we're going to have uh, some limitations and some benefits. Um, and the use of real-world evidence for pre-market submissions isn't meant to replace clinical trials, but it's another tool in the toolbox of your regulatory strategy of what you might use, right? Or what a company might, might use. And we really, there, there's still, even though we've accomplished a lot and we've opened our doors, there's been a lot of education that, that has to occur, even within teams, uh, within the clinical affairs teams of companies, within the R&D teams, kind of helping them understand, and the regulatory teams, helping them understand how real-world data can help them in their tool and strategy kit, right? And then on the flip side, really working with our OSEA counterparts, so uh, Office of Clinical Evidence and Analysis um, is our primary contact where we where Nest works and sits um, from the FDA side. And working with the OSEA teams and uh, the various review groups within CDRH. And so part of what we've done with our test cases, we've had 14 meetings so far with various uh, OHT review groups, reviewing those test cases, reviewing the strengths, the limitations, what we can do, what we can't do, hearing what are their concerns so that if there are solutions, so it's an iterative process, right? It's not a one and done, we're open, yay. It's we're, we're continuing to learn, to build, to make the system better, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's where we are right now. I was thrilled um, that in Medufa 5, there was mention of a training program for the review groups too. You know, certainly we, I think Nest, um, having our test cases reviewed by the review groups uh, and having those meetings and talking to them was an, an initial foray, right? To, to get them comfortable with it and, and understanding what would come across their desks. Um, being able to be a convener for best practices. And what I'm hoping is that as we put out our frameworks and best practices and as we're executing in our environment, that the FDA can then use this, we can empower them 
to use this to help frame their next version of the guidance document. Another move right. of five commitment, right? Right, right, right. What would you say? So you talk about making the system better and stronger and talk about, I heard a discussion of, you know, just awareness and education discussions with industry, with FDA in terms of how, what is the big, what are the biggest sort of gaps or challenges right now? Is it, is it mostly about just getting everybody on the same page and sort of understanding what you can do with, with this data out there? Is it some of the systematic stuff that Ness is working on in terms of, you know, the data sources and the quality and the way of actually collecting uh, the data or methodologies and analyzing it? Is there, is there improvements to get there? What are some of the biggest sort of big ticket items that really need to be still attacked, addressed to sort of... Uh, so all of the sense. above needs to be... Right. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there isn't just one. So of with respect to the frameworks, um, NEST did release our first iterations of the research methods framework, the data quality framework, right? That was done in February of 2020. We're working to transform each of those documents such that the methods framework will be um, really a playbook and best practices and have solid examples to help when you're developing a protocol and you're doing a study consideration, what do you have to consider, right? The data quality framework we released over the summer a data quality maturity model checklist for EHR data and claims data. One already exists for, um, uh, for, for registries, for example. So NEST didn't want to duplicate efforts here. Um, and that helps the folks that have the data, whether it's EHR data or claims data, to go through their checklist, understand where they are in a particular maturity model to understand whether or not they can actually execute the study. What is that feasibility, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on the type of study, it's project specific, um, because as I mentioned before, you, you're gonna need different levels of data quality depending on what the purpose is for the, for the submission. So that's the frameworks, really transforming them uh, to be both playbooks, as well as setting those standards for fit for purpose. And then building the system. What are all of the elements of the system and then how do they work together, right? Really pleased, um, you might've seen a couple of weeks ago, we had a press release uh, announcement on our first strategic partnership with Ation mm -hmm. using their analytic platform as one of our analytic cores, looking at executing a, a use case and, and having meetings with uh, a couple of the OHT review groups bringing in industry, right, to test that. But along with that is how do we then, um, if we're using our network collaborators and, and amplifying the expertise of our collaborators with the analytic core, we're going to need to figure out how are we going to um, link and aggregate the data, right? So data linkage. Uh, is another kind of work stream we're working on it and aggregation device identification capabilities or another and making sure they're they're standardized in a way that we can use them. What is our common data model? Everybody's using um, there are many different common data models being used. It's a lot of time and effort 
for example, to, to, to come up with a common data model and, and use it. So we're not going to ask our collaborators to change them, but what kind of tool can we give them to transform it into the Nest common data model, which we're using FHIR, for example, as our meta CDM, right? How can we help transform that to make it easier? That's, that's an efficiency to me. Um, and how can we bring all of that in? So it's kind of cool stuff. Some of the stuff I have to say is above my pay grade. Um, technically speaking, I've got the technical right. staff that, that executes this, but um, it, it's just really amazing. And, I, and I'm pleased with what all of the teams are doing. And we've got so many working groups and subcommittees and, and our task force working on this, all made up of volunteer experts from our stakeholder environment, whether they're industry, whether they're payers, whether they're from uh, health systems, um, or, or even patients and patient advocates, right? And so seeing that really jazzes you when, you when you're at a meeting and seeing that you've got all these people at the table. Let's, let's take advantage of this. Um, and, and I hope I don't let them down. I hope we don't let them down. Thanks for listening so far. This interview will continue after this short message. Market Pathways is the number one publication that covers the people, challenges, and opportunities impacting the global medical device, regulatory, reimbursement, and policy spheres. MyStrategist.com is your digital home to access all of our coverage and read the latest issue of Market Pathways. Your support is valuable and makes us better. Please remember to leave a review and rate Market Pathways on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen. No, well, it's, it does sound like what you're really, I mean, that's just, you're, like you said, there's, there's, there's a lot of very technical uh, elements to this. And you're kind of acting as almost like a, making, connecting all those dots um, to, because it just seems like there's, it's like when you say like getting real world evidence, it just, there's so many elements to making it uh, like UDI. I've heard, you know, talking on recent webinars, things like the, the challenge of that. There's so many, um, but also like I, when it comes to, I mean, you, you tell so you're talking about the three, you know, spokes of, of what you're doing in terms of evidence generation, surveillance, and uh, collaborative communities. I mean, particularly on that evidence generation and pre-market side, I mean, it seems like one of the things is like understanding how, like you said, it's not, you're not replacing clinical trials, but you're, you know, you're coming in as a tool. There, there's, I've heard interesting conversations at like, um, uh, maybe advisory committee meetings where there's some like, you know, people that are saying, well, we could use a registry for this. And there's some purists that are well, no, randomized controlled trial is the only way to ever get data. And then, you know, you hear a discussion, which I think comes out of the nest, um, you know, people may be more connected with is, 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 you know, more creative approaches. Real world evidence could be plugged into randomized studies and things like that in various ways. Is that, is that kind of, in terms of creative approaches, is that, is that something where, is there a full recognition or full understanding of, of how to put real world evidence in place, particularly when it comes to you know collecting this type of evidence to support uh, approvals, is that is there still more to be learned in sort of how that can appropriately be done? Um, you know what what's what's happening on that? There, there's always more to be learned on how to do it um, better, cheaper, faster. Right? That, those mm -hmm. are the buzz buzzwords everybody wants to wants to use. Um, and whether it's registry data, because I I do agree registries are a rich source of real world data. Some registries are more mature than others. Um, and uh, But there's real issues uh, underlying the data, whether it's registry data, EHR data, claims data that go around data governance, data ownership, data sharing, patient privacy, right? 
Um, and do we need an informed consent, for example, from the patient, you know, think a la clinical prospective clinical trial. Mm -hmm. Do we need that for when we're doing a real world um, data a study using real world data? Right. And to what extent do do we need that? Um, so lots of interesting and, you know, I, I could go in detail, but gosh, I don't think your podcast is long enough <laughs> so, <laughs> for that, um, because there are a lot of elements within those. You know, I just kind of put those big bucket items in there, but right. each one has, you know, so many different work streams underneath it, too, and considerations that have to happen. So still a lot of work to be done. But the but the good news is we have many people that have already gotten to a level we need them to be, right? What we're trying to do is ensure that everybody who's interested in this is able to get to that level and providing them the tools, the best practices, and the standards that they, that they need to meet, right? Because we right. want everybody to be successful. We're a neutral environment. We want to make sure that we are supporting interoperability, that we're building a system that's centralized, that's scalable, that's inclusive. And, and that's going to be the key. Right, right. And so, and the other, so I'm curious, like you mentioned, so then postmark is sort of the surveillance part of it is the other, is the other arm. And I'm, I mean, how distinct is to me, I mean, when originally something like Nest was, I think, formulated, as you say, back and originally proposed in, let's say, 2012, you know, I feel like that was really the, you know, key sort of monitoring safety signals was kind of the original origination of the idea. And then this, you know, it, it's evolved slowly and then more quickly in sort of how, you know, excitement about using it for, we're getting, new, you know, approvals and clearances and things like that. But what is that surveillance? Is that, uh, does that have very separate challenges? Is that more straightforward in the sense you're just, you know, sort of, it, what what are the are there distinct challenges with that or what are the what are the main issues being addressed on, on that side that, that industry should be aware? So it depends on what we're what kind of study are we executing within uh, the active surveillance environment because um, are we doing something specific for the FDA because active surveillance isn't only going to be used by the FDA uh, it can be used by you know researchers and industry and for example if somebody has a 522 mandate they could conceivably you know execute that within the active surveillance environment and so what is that level that's required and if we're looking for something like um, uh, signal detection or signal refinement and we determine that we need patient level data um, that uh, FDA needs access to, how can we accomplish this? And so looking really innovatively into um, kind of zero trust models or federated learning models, how can we accomplish this? Um, and so innovation is key because as with, as with everything in med tech these days, like things are going at lightning speed. Uh, if I blink, uh, I've already missed the boat. Uh, and so it, it's thinking one step ahead, not just how can I solve this particular solution I know I have, but what do I think I'm going to need so that in a year or two or even five, it's not obsolete. And, and that's what we're working on here with, with the task force uh, for active surveillance with our 
uh, cloud working groups, with our methodology working groups. So again, it, 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 takes, a, it takes a village. Uh, and we've got an incredibly dedicated uh, multi-stakeholder environment. Every time we put in an open call for something, I'm so surprised. Um, uh, I don't know why, but I'm uh, so surprised when, when we get that level of engagement. Well, it sounds like one of your primary uh, 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 skills needs to be as a uh, collaborator and uh, you know working with people, right? It sounds like that's really what I mean. Everything seems to be about here is bringing in the right uh, parties for for different for different you know different needs. And that so you, I'm actually I'm curious about this third point, the collaborative community, because honestly, like that's been something in general. Like FDA has announced these collaborative communities in different areas. And to be honest, it sounds like okay, great, sounds cool, but I, honestly, I'm still as someone who, like it, it seems almost like what is the tangibly happening with those things in general, and you with Ness being you know uh, uh, one, you know what what is the actual you know tangible value? What's happening with that that's distinct from other activities that are going on? What you know why is that why is that significant? So I am curious to get your your take on that. Convince me that these collaborative communities are uh, you know kind of things that are going to have an impact and meaningful in the uh, in the device world. Well, I think one of the advantages of a collaborative community really uh, also is we have the patient voice amplified okay. uh, because it's the opportunity to, to really uh, engage patients and patient advocacy groups in what are their needs, try to marry that with the needs of industry uh, and the solutions that industry is trying to find along with FDA as a participant in the collaborative community, payers as it's applicable, and, and, and the health systems, um, and data providers. So how can we help ultimately? Because all of this really is ultimately to benefit the patient, to empower the patient. It's all about the end user. And so um, bringing in the patient uh, just to identify, for example, like historically, we used to bring in the patient to uh, help identify patient reported outcome measures. Yeah, and we checked a box. It's more than that now. Patients need to be involved when we're designing a protocol, when we're looking at a device, what's important for them as the end user. Um, and I think the collaborative community, although that's not the only goal of the collaborative community. That's a huge opportunity for patient engagement. And if we're listening carefully, they're gonna tell us what's important and how we can help, right? Being a convener, we can bring in the, the different stakeholders, hear their diverse views, and try to come up with uh, the right solutions, if it's appropriate. I mean. Uh, we don't look to solve all the problems of the world. There are many, many collaborative communities right now. Um, last I heard, I think maybe there's 12, but I could be wrong on that. Sounds about right. Um, so different, you know, engaging in different topics. But I think really the important piece um, for me in this is bringing in the patient voice. And presumably then you're saying some of this then feeds back into maybe the rest of what else Nest. Oh, it's doing, yeah, it kind of takes these different, different, different stakeholders maybe that you wouldn't get otherwise, and then feeding that into some of the other things we've talked about in terms of what, what the key issues are in terms of getting 
And you know, what about, for example, what about device identification is important for the patient perspective too, for example, we're, we're looking to solve the problem of how can I identify a particular device within the system, but the, right. in the collaborative community environment, what I'm finding out is what elements of this is important to the patient, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've, we've, uh, I've heard uh, talking to many different people of like, you know, if there's a recall in my car for my VIN number, I can easily tell if my car is being recalled. Can I easily tell? I can't necessarily easily right. tell if a particular device I might have implanted in me uh, is is under um, a, a recall. And right. so that might be important to them. Mm-hmm. Can we help in that? Right. right. So it's, 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 yeah, I see. Coming up with more problems that you could maybe solve <laughs> with all that with all the time but it's the forum to have those conversations right so that we can trigger innovation and mm-hmm. and that I think that's really important uh having diverse perspectives uh you know I even do it in my teams I make sure my my leadership team brings to the table diverse perspective uh when we have our our governing committee brings together you know diverse perspectives. And I really welcome that uh, because if everybody's agreeing, we're doing something wrong. Right, 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 right. Especially with this topic, there's just so much to be developed and learned still. So, yeah. So we talked a lot about, obviously, I mean, a lot of, obviously you're just, Nest is is an independent party, as you say, but but obviously very intertwined with, you know, FDA in the sense it's Badufa connected and funded. Um, I mean, there's a lot of real, you know, I mean, real world evidence has value in, you know, Obviously, in these, you know, regulatory, uh, a lot of regulatory decision making, but it also comes up a lot, for instance, when it comes to, you know, reimbursement and like coverage issues. Um, I've actually heard, a, you know, it's been a lot of discussion recently. I don't know how much you've followed, like things like the uh, Medicare coverage of, you know, the MSIT stuff and the TSIT stuff where, you know, where there's uh, a lot of discussion at CMS of like, you know, the types of evidence that might be appropriate to, uh you know, follow to ensure something could be covered, even if, you know, there, you know, it's not enough in the pre-market and uh, using claims uh, data, things like that. So is that, you know, is that element of it something that you're also focused on at Nest? And is that something that has involved separate? Is that just sort of the same issues, just a different application? Or, you know, is there a separate uh, focus in, in that area? Not necessarily the same issues, but we do make sure to have the payer voice, right? I mean, within mm-hmm. MDIC itself, we have a health economics and patient value um, initiative where specifically, right. you know, they're they're tackling the payer perspective there. Um, but we have the payer voice is extremely important within this. We have payer representation, both CMS and and private payer within our governing committee. We have payer representation uh, on uh, our subcommittees. Um, so really ensuring that we have their participation because they really are integral. Um, it's all about timing though, right? So if we're talking about, for example, um, Medicare coverage, uh, we've gotta be able to, to have those conversations uh, at the right time, I know mm-hmm. the CMS coverage group uh, has been extremely, extremely busy um, trying to to um, kind of finalize 
their their reimbursement regulation. So we, you know, it's kind of do that, then then come back and do this. There's there's so much bandwidth that we all experience, and I think this is this is one of them. But uh, I'm really pleased at the engagement we currently have and the representation that we have uh, for the payers because I think. Coverage and reimbursement kind of go hand in hand. And if we can think about coverage and reimbursement, even when we're in the IDE stage, mm-hmm. right, in the pre-market application stage, that's a huge bonus and would be a win-win. And, and, and I think um, even the payers would like to see that. And how do we best accomplish that? And Nest, as some as as a being obviously involved. With the you know very involved with what F, happening with the regulatory and FDA and trying to be on and also with the payers so I guess it, it is one it is a form to have both of those because you know this all about this challenge of you know maybe linking regulatory and reimbursement a little bit better in terms of not having such a gap it seems like Nest has a real and the real world evidence you know solutions that it helps uh, engender has a real you know central role to play potentially in that in that question and that idea of of you know making it a little more streamlined to get the right evidence you need both regulatory and then you know for coverage or other needs is that sound about right right and and uh, you know Nest was involved in part of the payer landscape assessment that was done by your HEPV group too uh, that was recently released so um, I think it's super important and Nest has a role now Nest definitely has a role it's just um, making sure that we're there at the right time okay. Okay. The other, I mean, I, I, the other thing we talked about, we're, we're pretty much, I would say, you know, U.S. focused conversation. And I think that I don't know to the extent, um, you know, I see there's a lot going on, real world evidence, obviously, around the world, um, you know, uh, everywhere. You know, China has very interesting things going on in, in the U.K. and Europe. And, you know, in terms of, you know, documents and procedures and guidance and in terms of how to uh, or 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 test cases for using it in different cases um, or, or act, you know, in terms of streamlining market access with real world evidence, things like that, is how, how much is, you know, is there a, a either effort to cooperate globally or be directly involved in some uh, more global efforts versus just a U.S. focus for, for Nest? Well, I, I'm a firm believer of global harmonization in a past life. You know, I did studies in uh, over 30 different countries. And so having that sort of harmonization is just critical, right? Um, and we've seen a lot of activity regarding real world evidence abroad. Uh, I know um, myself and, and other NEST staff have been involved in real world evidence meetings with um, regular regulators and, and multi-stakeholder kind of environments and settings, uh, both for China, as you, as you mentioned, you know, Asia Pacific, that larger catchment area. Um, we do have uh, one network collaborator that's in the UK too, as we had thought to move um, globally. I think with uh, COVID and you know with the pandemic that hit, um, we really wanted to, at the moment, focus our efforts on the US. Um, and we had some gaps in representation in, in the US. And so uh, we now have 19 network collaborators um, that represent roughly 225 million kind of patient records that include, you know, the entire U.S. kind of nation. 
Uh, we just brought in our West Coast colleagues too, um, which uh, kind of really helps in that in that effort. And the focus, of course, has been U.S. based on you know the funding that we receive. The Madufa funds and FDA certainly are very heavily focused. Um, mm -hmm. I know FDA has uh, efforts and meetings uh, for global harmonization too. IMDRF. Uh, participation uh, and and the like, and so um, really looking forward uh, to to having that uh, harmonization and, and those activities. Already seeing huge, huge strides being made. Um, so even that's exciting. So when it comes down the line, I mean, it, it, like you say, I mean, the the funding from Medufa is a primary, you know, obviously, you know, support for 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 nest activities. Is that kind of what you see is the future. Is it more of a different type of self-funding mechanism? Is it other sources of funding? Um, how, you know, how, how is that part of it going to kind of move forward? Or what's the vision for that, at least? Excellent. So one of our Madufa 4 commitments was actually to seek ways for self-sustainability. So I am not anticipating at all uh, to have, um, you know, Madufa funding uh, in perpetuity. It, it's a very, for me, it's a very finite um, funding mechanism. And there's other opportunities, whether it's through industry or other sources of funding based on initiative on how we want to grow. Um, and that's the direction NEST is going. Um, so even though we sit in a nonprofit organization. I've had, you know, my board and governing committee say, treat this like a startup, right? Um, and and so that's that's part of it. Um, really thankful to industry and FDA for providing um, those Madufa funds for us to get started, right? And really help. It also allowed us uh, to work closely with the FDA and. Uh, trade, uh, the trade associations and industry, right, um, to find out what really were their concerns in using real world data and how we could help solve that problem. So that really was, uh, that makes NEST unique. And, and leveraging that as the neutral independent organization, I think, um, really we're on the path to success here. But ultimately, so it sounds like sort of different possible directions. I mean, it could be like, like you said, you're going to be, I mean, you're taking some sponsor funded requests now. I assume is that, would that be the idea is hopefully that, that, that grows over time. And that's part of, you're just sort of, that's your well, startup quote business model. model. The business model um, I anticipate will probably change based on, um, you know, our activities with Nest 2.0 and how that lands. Again, lots of um, lots of activity happening to make sure that we have a fully functional system. And, and you know, I've mentioned before, other, other avenues could in, in the business model might include things like um, certification uh, of uh, data sources or um, things like that. And so it, it, it's, there are other possibilities and we have to, you know, being in a startup, your business model might change, uh, and we have to be prepared for that. Got it. So when you're talking about you, you reference Nest 2.0 a few times, is that is that more of a just a milestone of of is there something 
what, what would you say is specific about what Nest 2.0 is going to be or what you know at this point? What, would it, what does that mean to you um, compared to you know, current activities? So Nest 2.0 is actually uh, the demonstration that the system works and all of the elements in the system work, right? So we've demonstrated different elements within the system can work. But how do we demonstrate the system as a whole is going to work? And, and, and by work is, can it result in, again, focusing at least initially on that pre-market submission, having a pre-market submission, having it approved, knowing that that system works and all the elements within the system work? That's NAS 2.0. NAS 1.0 was, we know we have uh, elements within the system that work. Um, but perhaps the entire, you know, not all of the pipes uh, might work and we might not have needed all of the pipes. But <clears throat> the test cases have definitely uncovered, as well as our independent assessment from RAN that was that was the interim report. Final mm -hmm. report will come out in September, but um, really helped us identify, you know, what what else do we need to put in the system? And that's a, that's important to make sure that, you know, we have a system that's uh, interoperable. Right. What, so what, do you have a sense of timing of when you reach this Nest 2.0 mile, uh, milestone or is that? Uh... Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I have an aggressive timeline of, of within the year. So uh, okay. we're, we're working hard. We've got our head down and we're, we're working really hard. We've got lots of teams and lots of stakeholders really working at this. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, why don't to, to sort of finish off here? Like, what what are the what are the key things you're most excited about? I mean, obviously, so this point oh is is a key is a key goal. But like, what are the specific you know boxes that need to be checked? And just generally, like, what is exciting you that's going to come up over the next you know uh, you know few months or or this year um, that you know is important to look out for for Ness. So basically, I'll let you cook here a little bit. I know you say you have. You can go on. So, you know, what, what, what do you want to say? <laughs> um, yeah. So demonstrating that Nest is, has built a viable system, right? That's, that's Nest 2.0 and super excited to be able to demonstrate and actually have something tangible. Uh, a lot of what we've done right now has been, um, not necessarily theory, but not really tangible. And to show that this system works and that we can do it, uh, we can not only do it, but be able to, again, let's not lose sight of, I'm a big advocate of empowering patients and the patient voice. We're doing all of this to, at the end of the day, empower patients, uh, have them make informed medical decisions and I think Nest 2.0 is going to get us there. Great. Well, that I think is a great place to end it, a, a point of promise and, and maybe, you know, more uh, accomplishment in the near future. So we'll definitely be looking out for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, giving us the rundown of, of where things are with, uh, with Nest. My pleasure. We we really look to uh, delivering on that promise of Nest. We've had the promise for a while. Uh, now, now we've got to deliver, and, and I'm really excited for for the next uh, the next year. Great. Well, we'll be looking out for it, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Um, thank you. Thanks so much, David. 
We hope you enjoyed that episode. Your support is valuable and makes us better. Please remember to leave a review and rate Market Pathways on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen.